This is Pulse 95. Pulse 95. It's a Shasha story. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Sabah Lachair and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Today we're exploring the magic of Middle Eastern sweets with Michelin-starred chef Greg Malouf. He's known for his unique and contemporary take on Arabic classics and he's just released his eighth cookbook titled Sukkar and we're going to be learning more about his inspiration for the book plus getting all the details on his charity dinner for Arawi restaurant which is happening tomorrow night. Four courses, nine dishes. We're going to be uh, getting a little bit of insight on what we can expect and he's also going to be auctioning off his book's manuscript. That's all coming up next on Life Beat on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. It's a Shaja story. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Greg Malouf is one of Australia's most influential and admired chefs. He is widely credited with changing the way that we experience and understand Middle Eastern food. He's classically trained in Europe and spends his travels researching regional dishes and most significantly his Lebanese heritage for inspiration. And he's just launched his eighth book, Sukkar. It's a sumptuous exploration of desserts and sweets from the modern Middle East. Chef Greg Malouf, welcome to Life Beats. Sally, thank you. <laughs> Sally from Sydney. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Greg from Melbourne. That is such a great place Malouf to from start. Yeah. Exactly. You are a, a fellow Aussie, um, which is just wonderful to have you. Uh, I mean, but I've followed you for years as well. Um, and your food is incredible because it is Arabic. Um, it is Lebanese. Uh, it's full of understanding and appreciation for heritage um, and soul. Uh, but it's also innovative and contemporary because of the fact well, that you yeah. are an Aussie. Yeah, it's. Um, I guess I'm. I'm. I am lucky that I, I was raised in a family that uh, uh, had three generations under one roof. So you know, if Mum wasn't cooking, my my uh, grandma be, grandmother would be cooking, or even my father would dabble in the really? in the kitchen. Well, he was the. I call him the experimental one. With food, Mum was very regulation <laughs> Lebanese in her uh, hummus and tabal and yeah. Because you have the purists, and she was mm. like the purist. Yeah, but not. Uh, I mean, she wouldn't uh, scream and yell about no, it should be done this way. But uh, I, I think my father was the one that uh, really was out there. He was. He went to the markets on the weekend and bought some amazing produce. I mean, he was in love with wild rabbits and lots of um, uh, liver and brains and, yes. you know, all those <laughs> all those good things that you have for breakfast in the morning. <laughs> As an Arab, yes, absolutely. Well, yeah, I've, look, I have fond memories of Eju uh, made with, uh, sorry, omelette made with um, brains. Really? Sliced in brains the in the Eju. Wow. And sprinkled, uh, Dad used to put um, uh, Gruyere cheese on top. 
And That's it was incredible. delicious. That's incredible. Mm. Wow. Talk about experimental. That is one I have not never heard before. Oh, I thought it was normal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, tell us more about the, the just like that, the kinds of foods that uh, you, know, he you was, grew up with. He was great. He, I mean, asabineye, the, the raw liver, that was my very favorite for breakfast. And um, although when I was training as a chef, I didn't really discover it until he used to come into my room at five or six in the morning after going to the market and shoving raw liver in front of me saying, look what I bought and look what we've got for breakfast after, you know, spending 12 hours in the kitchen the wow. night before. So he'd... Um, He'd prepare all this and he'd make his own little spice mix, uh, baharat mix of, I don't know what was in it, but uh, gosh, it's it sure tasted good. And, you know, it was these early memories um, just stayed, stayed with me and I'd reflect every now and then and think, well, that's what I ate as a kid. Now let's see what I can, let's see if I can bring it into 2000 and uh, to this uh, generation. So... And that's, I, I, look, part of the uh, this journey, if you like, is um, ch a lot of it's, or part of it's childhood memories. Of course it is. And um, recreating in it. A lot of it, and saying that a lot of it's kind of interpretation, my interpretation, it's what I, what, uh, it's seen through my eyes. So, mm -hmm. uh, and I get criticized a lot for, you know, oh, it's not the right, that's, why are you putting lentils in the, the tabbouleh and, instead of uh, butteral? And they said, well, actually, mum used to do it as a, when I was a kid because we ran out of butteral one day and she had lentils in the fridge that were already cooked, so she just mixed them together. That's so And smart. I just thought nothing of it. And now pe people are putting quinoa into, oh, yeah, yeah. into the tabbouleh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like not even a thing. But yeah. you were doing that before, you know, anybody else was mixing yeah. things up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was normal. So, but and, and then I started focusing on. I mean, I was ble I was lucky to work in some really good restaurants in Melbourne. And then I decided to um, leave. I left the country after I finished training and went to Europe and stayed there for a long time. Let's talk about Melbourne and you know mm. what food is like there because you know for many they would say that Melbourne um, you know the Sydney side it might dispute it <laughs> but Melbourne is really you know the hub of food <clears throat> the hub of food there and uh, we certainly have uh, the Greek community, the Italian community, sure. the Lebanese Chinese, community, yeah. Chinese yeah. Um, to thank for oh, yeah. an incredible incredible mix of cuisines at the highest level long before you know it was cool say here in the uae or mm. anywhere mm. else mm. so tell me about that being influenced by that as well well uh, look i was heavily influenced i had we had neighbors that were from all walks of life and all parts of the world firstly and secondly i'm a strong i believe that melbourne is probably embraced Middle Eastern food more than contemporary Middle Eastern, more than any other city in the world. And London looks at uh, Melbourne. New York look at Melbourne. Yeah. Um, the whole world looks at Melbourne for, you know, some whether it's inspira food inspiration or publications. Or, 
unbelievable. Our publishers in, in, in Australia are extraordinary. Yeah. Um, our produce is wonderful as well. And and the uh, the calibre of chefs are incredible. You know, the, the, the love and attention that goes into training um, is uh, second to none. You know, it's... It's hard to find now, and here it's, it's even it's it's uh, well, it's a desert of of um, uh, trying to find people that actually love what they do and want a career as opposed to earning money and having fun or sending money home, which is and then that's it, yeah, and it's, that's it. You know, it it is a career. It's not just. Uh, a means to you wake up in the morning and you clock on and clock off. and It's absolutely part of you because this is something that I noticed with you and the way that you like to cook. Um, you really just do put your heart and soul uh, into it. Tell me about when you decided, when you realised, I'm going to be a chef. This is what I want to do. Uh, I think that was after the brain omelette. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was actually early age. I think I was around 12 or so. Um, really? I Look, I... Again, I, I had a big appetite as a kid. I, we, the fridge was always, you know, we were, were just a, a, a family that, uh, uh, you know, we didn't have, dad worked very hard. He was in the rag trade, um, not massive amounts of money, but enough to fill the fridge and fill our mouths and bellies. And um, I was fascinated with what was in the fridge all the time. Whether it was um, water, I know, the the stuff fine leaves or um, or some leftover kibbe. Yeah. I, if if that was in the fridge, it, it wouldn't last long. That's it. You me. were all yeah. over it. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You remind me of um, Zena, my little one. She's exactly <laughs> the same. So that drove me into the kit. That drove me. Literally drove me into the career. Wow. Uh, and, and I wasn't allowed thought- to touch anything in the kitchen. Except open the fridge and sneak food, so. So you weren't allowed to actually cook or experiment. Not really. Well, no, it's not that I wasn't allowed to. I just it was all done, and uh, yeah. I was uh, wasn't. I was curious about the flavors and taste, not about the techniques and the. Until my, uh, you know, we used to have these celebrations, whether it was Christmas or Easter, or, and that's where um, I was always kicked out of the kitchen because I was like a little. Seagull yep. <laughs> waiting for the scraps. And yep. You're the so. sneak. You're the one who would sneak in, <laughs> oh. grab a few bites and run back out again, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. So it was, a, it was a very, it was a, look, it was a great childhood. Yeah. There was a, a few ups and downs and uh, dad wanted to take us to Lebanon at one stage, I think back in the 70s and it was a no, no zone, no go zone then. Um, and that was such a disappointment. We were so excited to go um and i think uh i jumped uh, from there i i finished school and i went into cooking i went into a an apprenticeship and i spent um three years uh in a good restaurant and was desperate to go to europe to continue and I, i decided that i wanted i didn't want secondhand knowledge on how to make pasta and risotto and and pastries i wanted to be taught by the italians and the french in their country so that's what i did 
We're going to come back and we're going to continue the discussion with uh, Michelin star chef Greg Malouf all about his experience of, of training in Europe and uh, his culinary, incredible culinary career. Uh, plus, of course, his newest book, Sukkar, is out now. We're going to be asking him about that and so much more. That's all coming up on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse, Pulse 95. 95. It's a Sharjah story. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Talking Middle Eastern food, talking memories and uh, influences on an incredible culinary career with Greg Malouf, uh, one of Australia's most influential and admired chefs. Um, we were talking about your story and how uh, you decided pretty much early on as a young boy that you wanted to become a chef and, and you went to Europe um, and you, you just wanted to start training there. Tell me about that process and, and kind of the biggest influences on you there, what you discovered. Well, it, it was a while ago, so... Um, in, in those days, the uh, the food culture in Melbourne was just starting to to tick over. This yeah. was late. This was early eighties, mm-hmm. so we're just starting to, um, 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 I guess, get it together with produce, with all sorts of things, um, with good chefs. And that was the time where I left the country and went to. I went straight to France. Um, and, uh, was in a, was in the Champagne district working in a little kind of boutique hotel and worked pretty hard and long hours, I mean, longer hours than I'd worked in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and it was the, it was a six day week and, you know, you're in the kitchen at eight, eight, eight thirty in the morning. Um, and you'd have an hour break in the afternoon and then you're out of the kitchen at 11 o'clock at night. Wow. So it was pretty grueling, but yeah. uh, I was fascinated. I mean, my French was appalling. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, look, there's the language of the kitchen, which is pretty simple. Um, you just shut up and put your head down and work. And um, you try and observe everything as much as you can. You try and take notes where you can. And that's what I did. I just, uh, I just kept at it, and um, I was put into different sections. I remember for, th- I think, three months, I was in a pastry section, and that's where I um, uh, developed a, a sweet tooth. Um, and then I was thrown into other sections to learn about uh, the hot, hot grills and the sauces. And so from there I went... Um, where did I go from there? To to Austria for some reason. Wow, okay. <laughs> um, and I was in Austria for two years. And uh, again, in a kitchen, um, German was non-existent. Non-existent, but yeah. I managed to um, pick up a few words and then understand the kitchen. And, you know, I did, I learned a lot in, in, in Austria about their, their food culture and their culture also. Were there then, particular mentors that stood out for you, you know, as, as during your training time there? Well, I've always, look, I've been a a, a big, big fan of Claudia Rodin. I, she's a, I guess, a historian. Um, she's Egyptian, Egyptian Jewish, I think. I'm not sure. Mm. Yes. Um, 
she was incredible. I read her book back to front, inside out, the the uh, book on Middle Eastern food. I loved it, and even um, uh, it was the book was so worn out that I bought another copy. I had to buy another copy of it. Um, you know, there's a few other heroes, and I guess for the kitchen itself, I was I one of the first books I bought was a book on um, uh, called. The Great Chefs of Europe, or The Great Chefs of France, or Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it, it listed all the three-star Michelin guys back in the 70s and the 80s, and their story. And I, I read the book uh, quite a few times, and I was so, I don't know, inspired. Yes, inspired. I, it just, it got to me in, in a way that, you know, these guys were going to the market to to uh and there was quite a few women too that was which was great um did it make you think to, i want to be a michelin well, star chef no or no no what did, what did it make uh-uh. you think what did you i just like the idea of um yeah. their behavior and their i mean some of them were rat bags and <laughs> but <laughs> the they, they and so I, I don't i'm not sure about some of the stories that they come into the kitchen and um make croissants for the staff i'm not sure about that but maybe they did and but they were in the they were always um focusing on produce always that was the that was the number one thing you don't have produce you don't have a kitchen yeah so and i that's the biggest thing i took from from uh from that book and from europe so and that just stay that stays with me of course, and then you know you uh, opened up your restaurants as well. You've had restaurants all over the world, and uh, you know critically acclaimed menus. Um, and so then, um, you know, writing from there, you've written eight books now, which is incredible. Why do you love writing books so much? What, what's the inspiration for you when you write? Well, look, it's I'm, I co-author. My f- my first wife and good friend, my former first wife. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that's right. Yes. And and good friend, um, co-author Lucy. She's the um, she's the smart one. She's the academic. So I mean, she um, she's got all sorts of degrees in writing anyway. And I I, I um, I'm good with a knife. I, I, I dream a lot and. Um, and I'm in love with my uh, heritage. So, and she gets she gets it. She's British. She gets into my head. She understands where I'm coming from and what I'm trying to achieve. And she puts it into a um, she puts it into beautiful words. So, that's uh, that's the uh, the love of the books. Um, and we wanted to document. Arabic food in a, a and in, in a wonderful way. Yeah. So, which wasn't really done before. Before no, you I think, had done think it. the first yeah the arabesque was probably a bit of a breakthrough, I, I suppose, especially for Australia. I mean, it was pretty novel uh, cuisine. What I was doing then was pretty novel, but the food critics, the journalists, loved it. I mean, but then there was no bloggers and. <laughs> no one getting in your way before social media. Yeah, <laughs> there was no social media. There was just a, a handful of good writers um, that 
research what I was doing, who I was, or who anyone with half a, a, a sense of um, playing around with their uh, culture, not torturing their culture, but just um, having a good looking, good look at it, and to kind of raise the raise it, put it on a pedestal, even so. Um, we we're lucky uh, that uh, a publisher uh, Hardy Grant actually. Uh, I met um, the head pu uh, publisher at a party, and I think I just had a. I said, "Look, what's going on here? Where, where's the Lebanese Arabic cookbooks here?" And this is back in 1990 or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I and remember then at that she time just, it wasn't a thing. She laughed, not laughed, but she said, oh, look, you know, it's we're not ready for it. Or, And then a year later, she rang me and said, oh, Greg, we're following your career and we'd like to uh, have a chat with you. And so that's how that started. And I, I just said to her, we had a chat and I said um, blatantly, look, I can't write. <laughs> you know, give me a... I put a shopping list together yeah. for you, but but my wife, <laughs> on the other hand, Lucy at the time, she was a beautiful writer. Wow! And so it was just and a perfect so I partnership. Just, I, uh, so they said to me, "Well, ask her to put a uh, a uh, few words together, a chapter, or a um, what's the word they use, a synopsis, or mm -hmm. something." So she did, and then that was it. We signed contracts and then we got divorced. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. But you kept writing books we together. We kept writing, yeah. Incredible yeah, books yeah, together. Yeah. Uh, talking to uh, Greg Maloof, uh, Michelin star, uh, Aussie uh, Lebanese chef, all about his books, his influences. Uh, and coming up next, we're going to be talking about his latest book and his dinner that he is going to be creating for Al-Rawi tomorrow night. This is one not to be missed. Lots more coming up on Life Beats after this. Plus, your questions and your comments. We're going to get to those next as well. So keep them coming through. Pulse 95 Radio on Instagram, or you can text in 4215 on Itasalat 2022 on Do. More to come. Pulse 95. 95. 95. Every day. Pulse 95. It's a Sharjah story. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Michelin star chef Greg Malouf is in the studio with me today and he is going to be taking over a Rawi restaurant tomorrow night. This is a very special dinner. It's a charity dinner, four courses, nine dishes. And uh, I think it's time to get stuck into talking about <laughs> what you've got prepared for everyone. Lots of sharing dishes, yes. Beautiful, and lot, all right. No one's going to walk away hungry. That's for sure, <laughs> if Greg Malouf has anything to say about it. All right, so um, you have, of course, uh, this is f to launch uh, your book, Sukkah. Sukkah, yeah. Um, so tell us a bit about the book and why you decided now that you're going to write a book about desserts and sweets in the Middle East. Uh, well... Not, not a lot was, not a lot's been documented except for the classic um, uh, Arabic desserts, um, and we just thought it was about time we put uh, we did our uh, interpretation. Um, 
It was a tough book to put together because it's, you know, pastry is very technical. Desserts are very technical. And, um, you know, I don't generally go down that road so well. Yeah. So I, I got some help from uh, some of my uh, uh, colleagues and uh, especially pastry chefs. One in particular that helped me a lot uh, through this. Um, but... It was it was an interesting process. It's like a, it's the process that we generally go through, and that I'll write perhaps two or three, create two or three hundred wacky dishes, and um, I'll just put a list together, and then Lucy will look at them, and she'll put a red line through the ones that are two out there, <clears throat> and then um, I will take. Uh, two, three weeks off, go, go, Lucy lives in England, so I'll go there, she lives in Kent, she's got a massive kitchen, f amazing equipment, um, and we'll recipe test for, uh, for that period, and we will just, a lot of, a lot of these dishes get, um, uh, they're on the floor, they're not, not, they don't work. They're not good enough. No. No. Uh, some of them will shelve because they need more work. Um, and Lucy's the one that documents the dishes. I, I she'll be at the her desk or at the table <clears throat> with on computer documenting step by step, and I'll be in the kitchen physically putting weighing things and telling her this is how much this weighs. This, the t temperatures here, and you know, going through all that, going through that process, and um, that's how generally how we work. Your favorite desserts. Um. Oh, look! It's, <laughs> what's your? How many children do you have? <laughs> Two. <laughs> or who's your favorite child? <laughs> you can't. You can't. It's no, a exactly. hard one. I, I really, I love um, Butlewa. Um, yeah. You're known for your ice cream Butlewa. Well, yeah, yeah. That is that's a pretty gorgeous uh, dish, um, and it can be made in any. It's pretty. It's not that difficult to make, uh, but I guess you do need a, 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 a an ice cream churn. Or you can buy a good quality ice cream and just set it in a tray and cut it. And but even baklava itself, is it not intimidating? I've never tried. As much as I love to cook, that's something I've never tried. Is it not intimidating to make baklava, to get it to get it just right? Yes, it is. <laughs> it is very... <laughs> it's difficult. It, it's, well, there's, there's, um, there's one... I think the, the correct way with... Um, but Lewa is, um, from what I know, and this is through travels in Syria, in Damascus in particular, which is the home of, although in saying that Aleppo in Turkey is, um, in, um, sorry, there's Aleppo in Syria and there's also Gaziantep in Turkey. They border each other, they border. Yes. And they're the two they're the sister cities. Amazing um, pastry, amazing desserts. Um, and that's where I got my, um, I guess, a lot of inspiration for for baklava. Um, because we went into pastry places and upstairs where it was it was almost like going to a ballet. It was, wow. you know, there's, there's quite a large room. There might have been 15 people in the room, all dressed in white. Um, and it was almost... It was in, you know, there was young kids, um, all in white, 
there was flour everywhere. So it was the whole thing was very, um, uh, what's the word? Um, it's almost like it was snowing. It was, <laughs> it was, it was incredible. I Amazing. mean, incredible scenes of them rolling out pastries and, and putting these beautiful emeralds of um, pistachios. pistachios. Yeah. That's, that, that is the, uh, it is a, a major um, industry there anyway, pistachios. Everywhere that makes a different, you know, kind <clears throat> of baklava, they have like, mm. they tweak it differently. What's, oh, yeah. What's your favorite place to have baklava? Well, look, I, again, I have to say... You can't um, pick. <laughs> well, tip because they actually use um, sheep's ghee or sheep's butter. Okay. And which gives it a slight sourness. Wow. It's a, a very... Uh, and the the pistachio um, baklava there is incredibly... You know, it's not not many layers of pastry, but the, the, the taste of... You can see that it was green. It was... And the taste of um, of the pistachios was extraordinary. So incredible! That's always been in my mind. So two of the dishes out of your new book are going to be at the dinner tomorrow mm. night at Al Rawi. So which ones are you cooking up? And, and give us a sneak peek of the rest. Oh, the uh, yeah, the uh, well, we're doing a, a fatouche, but stone fruit fatouche. Oh, yes. Okay, <laughs> that's in the book. That's yes. in the book, and that's with a lemon. Uh, dressing a sweet lemon dressing um but instead of using <clears throat> fried bread we've got shards of um chocolate uh, i call them arabesque wafers they're super thin and light and oh we just goodness. jam it into the and the fruits are i i love to finish a dinner off with fresh fruit so whatever's in season um this is stone fruit so we managed to get some um, nectarines and plums and um, peaches. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a very refreshing uh, dish. And the other dessert um, is the saffron ice cream. Um, again, this is an This actual... The saffron ice cream comes from Iran because we did a book on Iran co um, called... What's the book? Uh, Saraban. And uh, I ate a lot of saffron ice cream there. I mean, that's the home of saffron of for course, me. Of course, yeah. Um, and and saffron for some reason it pairs really well with um, uh, pineapple. And pineapple's not very Arabic at all, <laughs> but um, the spices that I use in the pineapple are they, they connect. Yeah. And the the whole dish connects. It comes together. Uh, with the uh, rich sour, uh, the richness of the ice cream and the kind of the tartiness of the the um, pineapple. The pineapple's cooked in um, soft brown sugar as well, with all these spices. And then we got this um, this pretty little wafer that sits on top. It's um, what is it? I think it's an Arabic. Uh, it's a honey wafer mm. in the shape of a Arab kind of urn or or oh, or um, beautiful um, bo uh, bottle. So they're the two dishes um, from the book from Saha. But the rest, uh, the other dishes. One uh, again, I have to come back to kibbe. It's always about <laughs> kibbe. Um, the kibbe that we're doing is uh, salmon. It's Scottish salmon, and so it's and it's fresh and it's it's super fresh and it's raw salmon kibbe neyir. 
So raw raw salmon. Um, and if you close your eyes, it's a very interesting dish because it's spiced the same way as uh, normal kibbe. Um, there's burrul, uh And if you close your eyes, you, you really do think you're eating meat. Mm. It's it's quite um, uh, but it's 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 lighter. It's a lot lighter, and and you can eat a lot of it. Gorgeous! Uh, yeah. I, I love seeing your take on it on these kind of dishes. Uh, absolutely amazing. We're going to come back and talk a bit more uh, about the, the dinner tomorrow night, and you auctioning off your manuscript as well. Mm. Uh, and this is going to be going uh, to charity. Lots more coming up on Life Beats on Pulse ninety five. From the heart of Shaka, Pulse 95. A story to tell. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95. Yeah, in the break, just kind of talking a little bit about Dolma. I can't not talk about <laughs> Dolma. <laughs> it's the ultimate for me. So, yeah, n- with the meat. Um, but the, the greatest thing have have you had the 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 onion, the stuffed onion? You no, can... no, I haven't. I have to. I, this okay. is this is the next thing for you, Greg. I can see a whole book coming out of this. <laughs> have you had the stuffed tomato? Yes. Oh yeah. But th- it doesn't compare. It doesn't compare. See, because so what you do is you put the, the you stuff onion. You get each layer of onion. It gets stuffed uh, with the rice and with the meat and all of the gorgeous spices. And then that is the bottom layer, okay? Oh, okay. You put everything else on top. And then you pour over the sauce, which, you know, to get the sourness, sweet sour, Mm. my mom uses tamarindi, right? Tamarind. Tamarind, yeah. Um, And so then when it all cooks, the onion caramelizes with the tamarind and Mm. then it's just on. So that's the sourness and... The sweet together. It is just out of this. Anyway... Anyway, so, back to <laughs> what's it called? Uh, it's just the dolma. You know, this is our yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. our dolma. Yeah. I'm gonna have to research With the onion. it. I'm gonna yeah. have to make it for you. I think. Please. I'm gonna have to make it for you <laughs> for sure. That's it. Coming over to my my house for dinner. But anyway, we're talking about another dinner right now. It's uh, the one happening at Rawi tomorrow night. Uh, please tell us about the lamb. Oh, the lamb. Saltbush lamb. It's it's Australian lamb. Um, the lamb is raised close to the sea, so it's got a. Uh, it's eating the 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 vegetation from around the coastal line. Oh. Um, the lamb is cooked for seven hours or so, seven, eight hours. I'm not sure because I have to um, turn those ovens ovens on. Um, I think tomorrow morning early, <laughs> and it gets rubbed with. It's uh, it gets. We take garlic and we crush it in a jiren or in a mortar and pestle with lots of sea salt, and then put uh, lots of kizbara, coria, um, coriander, coriander yeah. uh, seeds, cumin seeds, uh, and that gets all smashed up into a paste, and then olive oil's poured onto that, Fantastic. and that's rubbed into the lamb. Wow! And then uh, it gets slowly roasted, uh, slowly cooked. It gets, it's it place it on a, a um, a rack and then into a tray, water on the bottom, so it creates steam or moisture. And it's just cooked uh, for until it's falling off, like almost uh, collapsing. And then just before um, we serve it, uh, the 
the foil and the paper's taken off and we shred um, preserved lemon um, and mix it with um, parsley. Gorgeous. And that's sprinkled on top and it's put back into the oven to give it some, you know, nice little hint of salty sourness. Oh, my goodness. The, the dinner is almost sold out. Uh, mm. So if you haven't got your tickets, ring up Arawi right now uh, and try and get your tickets in if they haven't already sold out. Can't promise anything, but you do not want to miss this. Sukkar, I'm going to hold it up for everybody on Instagram to see. This is the book. Guys, you have to get this book. Sukkar, it is Greg Maloof's latest eighth book that he has written with Lucy uh, Maloof as well. Um, but uh, just an absolute pleasure. And of course... The- oh, thank you, Sally. We could have talked for hours, quite frankly. Yeah, I, I just thought that um, maybe we can have lunch in here. <laughs> we absolutely have to, right here in the Pulse 95 studios. Get some kibbe in. Yeah. For sure. Oh, I want that salmon kibbe. Um, and I'll bring the, the stuffed onions. Mm. Um, but it's, the dinner is, of course, for the Friends of Cancer yes, Society yes, as yes, well. Yes. Make sure you get out there. Make sure you get to it and get sukkah as well. Uh, Greg Malouf, what an absolute pleasure. Thank oh, you so pleasure. much. Pleasure. It's lovely being here. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, Shazia. You. And more coming up with Life Beats right after this. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95 with a story to tell.